Well, good morning once again, Life Church. Good morning, good morning. Hey, thank you so much for coming to worship with us today. Just so you all know, it may feel packed. It is not packed. There are all kinds of spaces, potentially and particularly on the front rows, front like three rows, uh, there is a ton of space. So if you're looking for not only a place to sit, but a place to recline, I always encourage you, the front of the church provides that. All right, a couple things before we get into our uh, conversation today. Again, it has been mentioned, but just want to reiterate groups. Uh, if you have a desire to be different, if you have a desire to grow, if you desire to step into healing in your life, find friendships and community, that takes place in groups. Uh, so make sure you sign up for one, two, or seven. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part and benefit from God's prescription for the things that are going on in our lives. Also, Devoted was mentioned. Uh, today is actually the last Sunday. Say last. Say last. Today is the last Sunday to register, so make sure you do that immediately following the gathering. And uh, again, we, uh, we are hosting the winter shelter. Those uh, who are, find themselves in need of that provision in our community uh, it is hosted by different uh, faith communities and organizations here in Waynesburg. And it's our week, February 2nd through February 9th. Um, so please, there have been some emails and Communication sent out about that for food and provisions, and we need to staff it. Uh, normally, we, we, we staff two of the seven nights that we're hosting, but actually this year we're staffing four. Uh, so we need some people here uh, through the night. We need people helping to serve breakfast in the morning, helping to serve dinner. You don't have to sign up to do all of that. You can sign up to be uh, on the breakfast team or the dinner team or the overnight team. If you are here uh, for the overnight team, you will get to know Matt Inman and Jasper Gay extremely well uh, because they are here all the time uh, during those. So it's a wonderful opportunity to serve our community and also partner with other churches and other faith communities uh, for the benefit of others. Finally, if you have astute vision, um, which many of us do not, uh, but if you notice, there's a special use permit sign outside uh, the front lawn of the church. Um, and so I just want to communicate what that's for. Uh, we are applying for, we've been in the process of applying for uh, an ability to use the church building during the week. Uh, largely, this 30,000 square foot building is empty during the week. And we're like, hey, how can we serve our community? How can we use what God has given us? And so we've been looking into an opportunity to host a Parents' Day Out program uh, from 9 to 12 um, certain days of the week. And so we're going through the process of that. Uh, Faith Hassel and Lyra Hale have been instrumental in driving that forward. So that's what that's about. If you could be praying for that with us, for all the doors to open up and permits to be given and uh, bureaucracy to be a thing of the past. We can dream. We can dream. Um, so that's why that is there. All right. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28. We've read this scripture. We're going to flip over to Matthew 5 here in a second as well. Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. And Jesus speaks as he begins to unpack. Ultimately, he is unpacking the Ten Commandments. He's giving context and frames of reference to things and, and principles and uh, uh, trajectories that we should hold in our lives. And he says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes... 
one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Sidebar. Jesus is not suggesting that it's important whether you are great as we know it to be. But that great, and anytime you read good in the scriptures, it speaks to not a, a certain quality in terms of a sign you get to wear, but the production of your life. The field and the fruitfulness of your soul, so to speak. So when Jesus speaks to the goodness or the greatness of someone or something, he's doing it in the context of you being able to bear fruit. Are you with me? For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word that is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. So we ask, we come to you today, and we ask that you would use it to mold us, shape us, make us more into your image. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I just want to, one more thing. Uh, I want to thank Benjamin Lee uh, for running visual today. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about visual and sound. Uh, nobody ever wants to serve in those areas. If you would like to serve and attach to the church in those ways, we have some spots that you can do that. Uh, but visual, like nobody cares about visual. Nobody even notices. Like everybody's like, oh, they just, words just magically appear on the, on the wall. It's phenomenal. There's a human back there who knows the songs, is clicking through it, and is being very attentive and moving before the verse comes. Can somebody say amen? So you're not looking at the old verse when the new verse is up. And uh, he's had a rough day back there, not, no fault of his own. So thank you so much, Benjamin, uh, for doing a great job. All right. Don't move that. Don't move that. We're continuing our series, Don't Move That. And as we're working through, we are working through a list. Because even as we are all engaging new and wanting new, especially particularly in this time of year, January new and turning leaves over and, and, and fresh starts and so forth, we can forget the fact that God has instituted and invites us to have some old things, to keep some things in our lives, not just get rid of everything and get something new and shiny and bright, but in fact, having some old things in our lives, having some things that are worn and that we keep actually help us become new. And so we've been talking about working through a list. Uh, we find these things that we're discussing, these habits, these patterns, these dynamics of discipleship to have creative character enough so that we deem them necessary. Say necessary. We deem them necessary for our lives. The, the composition of these things, we talked about God's word needs to be in our lives. We talked about how Jesus needs to be in our lives. We talked about how confession needs to be in our lives. And today we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about worship. But, and we're going to talk about some other things. But these four things, God's word, Jesus, uh, confession, and today worship, are intricately connected or rather intricately connect God's provision to our purposing. God's provision to our purposing. All these things are powerful and they are provided by God, but God's word, Jesus, confession, worship, these things are powerful and God offers them to us. He provides them to us, but they will sit idle and be absolutely ineffective without our practice. 
We can talk all day about how beautiful it is to worship, how amazing God is, how, how wonderful and incredible Jesus is. But without our, without our practicing and engaging those things in him in a daily fashion, it will be ineffective. I have spent now 20 years of following Jesus. 20 years of following Jesus, and time and time again, people tell me, well, well, disciple me. Hey, would you disciple me? And people ask me all the time, how do you disciple people in the church? And what they really want when they say disciple me is they want an equation. They want a one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, four-on-one. And I don't have any problem with the progression. I don't have any problem with education. I have no problem with, with downloading information to people. I have a problem when someone says disciple me, and it's it, what it is is an American mindset of come and change me. Ain't nobody able to change you, even God himself, if you are not available. And if you are not investing, and if you are not letting go and grabbing hold, if you are not actually entering into a practice. So we're speaking about worship. Let, let's try to zoom out 30,000 feet. Let's try to zoom out to 30,000 feet on the concept and the principle of worship. Find some objectivity as we discuss this very preferential reality. Let's try to think with a little bit less preference. Let's try to have a conversation with a little bit less bias. All of us employ preference and bias to everything in our lives, particularly to this area of worship. Oh, I love that song this morning. That was a great list. I love the way they bring the lights down low. I love that background. The background they used last week for that song was stupid and distracting. I don't like all the smoke of that church because it's, it feels like a rock concert. I don't like, and we, we, and we can have our preferences, we can have our biases, but we have to be careful to be aware that we are engaging those things. These, these personal preferences and innate biases, again, which we are entitled to. Don't hear me today saying that you're not allowed to have an opinion. You can have your opinion. You can have a personal preference. There, are, uh, there were three songs that I loved today, one song I did not like. And that might come as a shock to you because for some reason people think the church is like my little play toy. Like everything that happens, I desire. I don't know what planet you're from, but that's not true. And if, if those biases and preferences go unchecked, or rather, we are unaware that we are having them, they will cause a devolution of source. They will cause an unhealthy spiral of right or wrong. We will land at a place where certain songs are right and certain songs are wrong. Certain Feelings and tools of worship, lights, smoke, dare I say incense, stained glass, accoutrement, what you're wearing, what you're not wearing. We can become so fixated on the personal preferences that we have, we miss the point of worship. And that perspective, when we lean heavily into and unaware of or ignoring the fact that they affect us, these personal preferences and these biases, that perspective breathes life into exclusion of others. It breathes life into exclusion of others, and it makes our world very, very small. 
So worship, which is meant to be exalting of God, and when we exalt the name of Jesus, he draws us to themselves, and, and he draws others to himself as well. So the very, the very reality of worship, which is supposed to be expanding and God-oriented, actually does the very opposite of his heart and hope. We exclude other people, and we make our worlds really small. Such an attitude and such actions can become detrimental even to ourselves. I don't know about you, but when I find a song that I like, whether it's worship or otherwise, I try really hard not to listen to it 47 times a day. Because the longer I can just like slowly listen to it, the better it stays longer. But sometimes I can't contain myself. And after four days of listening to a song that the first time I heard it was like, oh, that was nice. The second and third time had me weeping. And then the 14th and 15th time in the first hour that I heard it, it was kind of like, all right, this is my jam now. The next day someone plays that song, I'm like, that's old. I don't care about that song. That song just doesn't move me anymore. Just doesn't make me have the goose pimples of the Holy Spirit. And what can happen is it can actually when worship becomes around personal preferences and biases, worship can actually lose its ability to do what it was meant to do. Worship is a thing. How deep is that? Worship is a thing. Worship is a tool we all have at our disposal. Worship is a tool that we all have at our disposal. Worship is not an activity or event meant only for some who are talented, some who are passionate, some who are creative, and some who are deeply, deeply emotional. Worship was never meant to be confined to particular moments. Let me say again, worship is a tool. Worship is a thing. Worship is for the using in your life. There would be lots of definitions you could give when you're speaking on worship, but here's my definition for today. Worship is giving our attention and affections to someone or something causing movement. Worship is giving our attentions and our affections towards someone. Do you know you can worship someone? or something. Do you know that you can worship a thing? Now maybe all of us in this room are safe from the wooden idol worship, or the statue worship, or the golden calf worship described in the Old Testament. If you do have a little image that you worship, we can talk about that and pray for you after. But I would hazard to say many of us don't have little trinkets and toys and things that we worship at home. We don't have created altars in our living rooms, probably. But we do have many, many, many idols in our lives that we worship. Fox News. CNN. ESPN. That car that we have. That when our child scratches it, our child. Our child. We lost our ever-loving minds, our child. That's why my car is 20 years old. You, I mean, you could worship. It ain't a good 20 years old. It ain't a, a Joey awesome car, 20, hot rod, 20 years old. It's a 20 years old, hey, Dad, when are we going to get rid of that thing? 
But we can have lots of idols. Your job, that relationship that you think you're hanging on to but really is hanging on to you. Worship is giving our attention and affections to someone or something causing movement. Because when we worship, when we set our affections and our attentions on someone or something, a couple things will happen. First, we will gravitate towards that someone or something. That's why my boys excel at baseball, basketball, every other thing that they pick up. And almost every sport, it's like, hey, keep your eye on the prize. Hey, focus and imagine you making the basket first. Hey, keep your eye on the ball. Because the minute you take your eye off the ball, even if you think you're good enough and have the talent, wherever your eye is, you move towards. Wherever your eye is, you start to move beyond and through. So as we worship, again, not to sing in a song, but our attention, our affection, we move towards. We gravitate towards that someone or that something. The second thing that happens is we become like that someone or that something. We worship what we deem important. What and whom we worship exercises great influence over us. So I want to talk about a few different things. Worship is a conundrum. Worship per our culture. And worship in creation. First, worship is conundrum. Worship is lots of things. Too often we settle into an either-or mentality. Worship is just this. Or worship is just that. Worship is many things. And so I want to address the reality that worship as conundrum. First, worship is a choice. Worship is a choice. In every single one of our lives, the tool of worship is a choice. Jesus himself shows that in Matthew chapter 4 as he is engaged in the wilderness. He's been fasting. He's in a point of weakness. And the, the enemy comes to him and says, hey, worship me, and I'll give you this. Hey, worship me. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to worship you. Why does Jesus have that ability? Because he's the son of God? No, because worship is a choice. In the same way that the question comes to Jesus in Mark 12, hey, What's the greatest thing that you, and he responds, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love others as yourself. That love, that agape, that serving is actually a form of worship because you're giving your attention and your affections to it, and it is a choice. Now, we get all screwed up with our vapid English language, and we just say, oh, we love tacos, and I love Tanya. I love the Browns, and I love Asa. Same word, completely different meaning. Can I get an amen from the church? Tacos are delicious, but my wife is better. Can I get an amen? Worship is a choice. Worship is also an action. It is an action. Psalm 134 declares, Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. You may come into this church. I remember coming into this church December of 1998, and it was filled with crazy people. They were all crazy, and I know many of them still today, and they are still crazy because they lift their hands they, they have a prayer language. They dance. There was a guy. There was a guy who came to this church, and he brought his own tambourine. He wasn't part of the band, understand. He was out here, and he was like, I was like a couple rows up, and I hear this like, king, king, and I was like, that's a tambourine. I was like trying to survey the stage. You understand, I'm an I'm a Episcopalian by birth, by, you know, raised that way, and I'm used to the robes and the organ and the, and the songs and everything else. And so the tam and I'm just like, there's a bass, there's a drums, there's this, there's that. This is crazy sauce. And then it's like, tink, 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 tink. I'm like, okay, they got a tambourine. I can't find it. I can't find it. Oh, it's fun! <laughs> Why does he do that? 
don't know. That was a little weird. And if you want to do that, that's great. We'd love for you to be part of the band. Don't do it out there. It's very distracting for the band, but there's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. My point is, worship is a choice. Worship is also an action. Lift up your hands. Engage your body. Engage who you are, what you have. At the same time, worship is a choice. Worship is an action. Worship is a positioning of your soul. Worship is a positioning of your soul. Psalms 42 and 43, I love David's description because he goes through the back and forth of how he feels and actually what he wants. And he says, hope in God. My soul, why are you downcast? Hope in God. He's telling his soul. We need to tell our souls to worship God. And oftentimes we get to a place like, no, 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 I need to feel it. I need to have the right song, the right ambiance, the right thing, the right this. Everything needs to be okay. It doesn't have to be great, pastor, but it can't be this song. And it can't be this way. The lights were too bright. The lights were too dark. And we start doing things like, no, no, no. We need to tell our souls, shut up and worship. So many times people, mm, Lord, okay. My child doesn't like to come to youth on Wednesday nights. In case you are unaware, that was Pastor Holly, who has been in youth ministry for many, many years. I hope we got her on the recording. People are like, my child doesn't like, and so I don't want to push them. Do you send them to school? Do, do, you, do you make them get dressed? Do you make them brush their teeth? Do you make them comb their hair? Do you make them all those things? Yeah, but, but church, I don't want to turn them off. Do you want to turn them off to hygiene? Do you want to turn them off to smelly breath? I mean, we have to understand that, and we need to teach our young people at a young age, no, 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 you don't have to be mopey. You don't have to have a bad attitude. You can have a good attitude. It begins with recognizing you have control over your soul. You get to decide your soul. You will not drag me down, but you will hope in God because worship is a tool. It's not just a feeling. Worship is also a response. So worship is a choice. Worship is an action. Worship is a position of the soul. Worship is a response. Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Man, sometimes life is good and circumstances are going on and we will worship and we will celebrate and we will sing. But sometimes worship is also a point of initiation. Maybe things aren't going great. Maybe you're in the valley. Maybe there's a wilderness experience. Maybe, just maybe, life isn't perfect and the unicorn that you ordered from Jesus hasn't showed up from Amazon yet. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, Psalm 100 declares, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, not with a bad attitude, not being mopey. Come into his presence with singing. Well, I don't feel like it. That's not what it says. The Bible is amazing because it's true and it doesn't cut corners. It doesn't say come into the presence of God singing because you feel incredible. No, it just says come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who's made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You see the possessive tense there? It's not, this is not you. This is about him. Worship is not about you. Worship is about him. You are the sheep. You are the pasture. He is 
over you. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. People are like, man, I haven't heard from God in a while. I haven't seen God. God's not with me. I'm like, really? Have you worshiped him lately? No, because my life stinks. Fair point. And I've sit with many people and they say, my life stinks. And they tell me their life. I'm like, your life does stink. I'm not here to counsel you out of that because that's reality. But you can worship out of that. As we begin to end, I just don't feel his presence. I just, well, worship. Why well, try that? You tried it once? When you open up your car door, I know I use this analogy, but it's so good I'm going to use it again. The first time the car doesn't start, I love Jordan Luck is here today. He and I have the exact same car, slightly different color, in fact, completely different color. But more than one occasion, I've gone to his car, and I'm sure that he's gone to my car. And I'm not colorblind, I'm just slow. But I love, Jordan and I, get to, we've been getting together for 15, 16 years, and uh, he, he has the same car that I do. My car always starts. His car always starts on the second or third try. And so whenever he's driving and he's leaving, we're like, hey, love you, man. It was a great conversation. Okay. He starts the car. Nothing. And I look at him in the car. He's like, and then it starts up. He's like, there it is. And, but we don't do that with Jesus. We trust our Nissan more than we trust Jesus. I'll keep trying the Nissan, but I tried Jesus. I tried you once. I'm out. How about we crank that thing a couple times? Worship, 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 worship. Try it. Get into it. It's a point of initiation. Worship is also a habit. Worship is also a habit. Psalm 104, verses 33 and 35. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. Whoo! As long as I live. That's a long time, Jesus. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. Okay. May my meditation be pleasing in him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. So bless the Lord, O my soul. There it is again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Soul, you paying attention? You paying attention? You up? Come on, get up. Praise the Lord. Man, I don't know how many times it takes you to wake up your child for school. But we'll just leave it at that it takes more than once. It's interesting, too, because uh, one of my children, who shall remain nameless, I'll set an alarm, and Alexa will be like, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Fifteen minutes later, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. I'll open the door, and he's like, <clears throat> I'm like, hey, buddy, buddy, it's time to go to school. Ba-boom, ba-boom. I'm like, do you hear that? He's like, yeah, I heard it. You got to go in a few times. You got to try that thing a few times. You got to go back to it a few times, maybe as long as you live. Maybe as long as you have being, worship, that's what the Bible says. It's a, it's a habit. Uh, worship is also a command. Uh, Jesus is using the scripture in Matthew chapter 4 to combat the enemy in the wilderness because it's a command. He is, he is quoting the Old Testament. And in fact, Exodus 20, the first two commandments of the top ten are about worship. It's about affection. It's about attention. Worship is also present opportunity. Worship is a choice. Worship is an action. Worship is position of the soul. Worship is a response. Worship is a habit. Worship is a point of initiation. But worship is also a present opportunity. Acts chapter 16, we're not going to go there, but there's this wonderful narrative. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're not in like low, you know, they don't have like a flat screen and like good food. They're in like nasty prison. And it says they're singing psalms and spiritual songs. And as they sing, listen to me, worship is a present opportunity. They're not singing because their circumstances are great. They're singing because their God is great. 
And as they sing, the Bible says that all, not just their jail cell, but all of the cells were opened up. Worship is a present opportunity. Well, I don't feel like it. My surroundings don't, uh, you know, call for it. That's not what worship is about. It's a tool that we can use. Worship per our culture. Are you with me? Worship per our culture. We routinely and now seemingly automatically connect music to worship. We make the two synonymous. Good music equals good worship and so forth. But music isn't always worship. And worship isn't always music. I'm happy today that the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because that incorporates all of us. Remember, worship is about where we are setting our attentions, where we are placing our affections. So let me ask you these questions. Who are you attentive to? Who do you watch? Do you all get those really scary iOS reports on your screen time? You looked at your phone seven hours a day. And it was a downturn of 13%. I'm like, seven hours? Lord, give me a day where I look at my wife for two hours. That would be a glorious day. But I looked at my phone for how long? Someone's, some people are like checking your iOS right now. I'm going to turn that off. I don't want to know, and I don't want anybody else to know. And Jesus is like, I know. <laughs> Nobody does. Who do you watch? What do you practice? Who do you listen to? Do you practice anxiety? Do you practice sadness? When people ask you, how are you? Is it always, I'm okay. This is going on and this is going on. Listen to me, that's reality and your life isn't perfect, but you're practicing mopiness. You're practicing being upset and being disappointed. You're practicing it. And you, it has become such a, an ever-present practice, it is now your character. But I want to tell you today that you can be free from that. You don't have to have a future bound by anxiety and stress and disappointment. Well, when my life gets better, it's not about your life again. My life is great. It's wonderful. But it is stressful. And my wife and I look at each other all the time. I'm like, when is it going to slow down? I'm like, when we die? Maybe. But then it's like 24 hours worshiping at the altar. That's going to be a long haul as well. What do you practice in your attitude? Maybe you should ask somebody, please, hear me. Ask somebody, hey, what do I practice in my character, my attitudes, my personality? And if someone's like, no, you're good, it's like that, no, you're good. It's like on the like, higher end of their voice range, no, you're good. It's because they're like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to tell you because you're mopey and mean. So if they're like, no, oh, you're good, baby, I love you. You, then what you have to say is, hey, I'm so sorry that I put you in a place where you speaking truth to me would make you uncomfortable. Would you please tell me? And then before you finish that sentence, I'll be like, baby, you are so rude. <laughs> baby, you are always down. You are so hard to be around. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> it's like, and it was like, that, just take it. Just take it. Just take it. Be like, okay. They love me. They're telling me it's because I asked for it. What do you practice? We say we worship God, but how often does he cross our minds as compared to 
if worship is really defined by where we place our attention or where we set our affections, I would submit to you, we worship God a whole lot less than we think. Do you say you worship God because you come to church for 90 minutes a week? 90 minutes? 90 minutes? And that's it, because you don't read the word, and you don't think about Jesus, and you don't sing a song of praise? I'm going to move on. I sense some tension in the room. <laughs> worship in creation. Humans were made to worship. Listen, not that alone, mind you, but it's certainly part of our hardware. It's certainly part of our hardware. We have a leaning towards it. We have a, a propensity for worship. Funny examples of this would be uh, things that I call like TJ Maxx syndrome. You know, when you're at TJ Maxx and you're shopping and you're doing things and next thing you know you're walking out and three days later you're singing about Baby Got Big, but like you're like, what, Baby Got, why am I singing this song? And you track, if you could, you could track it back and you realize, oh Lord, I heard that at TJ Maxx. It's like, You've never heard that song in your life. You don't know who sings it. You don't know what the radio station is. Like we're sitting in, uh, we went to the William Mary basketball game yesterday and uh, songs come on and Jude's like, mm, mm, mm. I'm like, where do you hear the song? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, but you know, he's like, mm -hmm. I'm like, how are you doing in math? He's like, I'm okay. But I have a hard time remembering stuff. But that song is like, mm, 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 you know why? Because we were made for that. It like, it fits. We were made for it. Another one is elevatoritis. Elevatoritis, anybody ever had elevatoritis? Ain't no cure for elevatoritis. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're sitting there and it's like, you try not to make eye contact because that's so rude. Don't make eye contact in an elevator with people you don't know. It's creepy. One of the key rules, you walk into the elevator and then turn, right? Don't be that person who walks in the elevator is like, hey, how are you doing? You guys doing good? If you ever want to be really weird, do that. Try that. Make sure you're wearing a t-shirt from another church. But elevator-itis is when you get in there and you don't even hear it. Like all, all elevators have music, all of them. And it's just back there. And then like later you're walking on the beach with your wife, you're having a great conversation and just everything's wonderful, but you can't get the song out of your head. You're like, where did it come from? The elevator. Because there's just a space in our souls to worship. There's a space in our souls to worship. The less funny examples would be in Acts chapter 15 when the, the church is being birthed and they're talking about, hey, what are the things that we don't move? And some people are saying we should, all the men should be circumcised and we should submit to the letters of the law of the Old Testament. We should do this and we should do that. And the Jerusalem council, the first followers of Jesus, the leaders, those who are serving at the highest capacity of the early church decide, you know what, we don't need to go back to those rules and those laws. We need to rebuild the tabernacle of David. And the tabernacle of David is interesting because it wasn't filled with rules and laws. It was filled with worship. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you had the tabernacle of Moses, you had the tabernacle of Noah, you had the tabernacle. there's so many tabernacles they could have gone to, but they chose the tabernacle of David under the unction of the Holy Spirit because it's not about rules and regulations, it's about relationship, it's about relating to, it's about worship. Because even to go back to the Ten Commandments, and again, the Ten Commandments are not rules to keep you away from something. The Ten Commandments are to teach you to go from slavery to freedom to teach you, to teach all of us to go from bondage to breakthrough. This is how you should live. These are the things that you should do. And the first two are about having no other gods and not setting your affections, not having things, carved images, all these idols, da, 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 da. We're like, yeah, hey, I ain't got no idols. I ain't got no carved images. No, but you have idols and you're worshiping.
because you're setting your attention and affection on things. Some practical places in the scriptures. We can read John chapter 4, one of the beautiful, one of the very few places that Jesus reveals who he is. He actually says, I am the Messiah. Most of the time, Jesus kind of speaks, difficult to understand. But in this encounter with a woman at the well, he says, no, 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 I am the Messiah. And they're talking about worship. The book of Psalms is a phenomenal telling of worship because David's just going through the ups and the downs and the highs and lows and it's worship. I would submit to you these are wonderful things to read and I would encourage you if you would like to read the book of Psalms, just get a reading plan or just start reading through a Psalm a day. Read them out loud so you're reading it, you're saying it, you're hearing it. Worship, you're engaging body, soul, and spirit in the process because I don't know about you, but oftentimes it takes me the first song and a half to get into at or rather out of my head. And some of you are like, a song and a half? I've been in my head for 27 years. My head won't stop. In Psalm, or Isaiah 61, if you find yourself in a place of heaviness today, the Bible gives a clear prescription. He's like, here's a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Spirits are interesting, and the words they use there are so intriguing. The prophet writes about the spirit of heaviness because spirits, even we would know today kind of this environmental, kind of comes on you out of nowhere. You ever wake up on the wrong side of bed? Spirit, just something. But a garment, a garment is something you take up and you put on. You, we can't always get to choose the spirit with which we are enveloped or the, the things that are going around us and affecting us, but we can always choose what to put on. God has given us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So go ahead and stand with me today. We're going to try this. What does this look like? I mean, we have worship, we have uh, our direction of gathering, we have different liturgies here at Life Church. But we're gonna, we're gonna do this. For about 30 seconds, we're just gonna worship right now. We're gonna worship, you ready? All two of you, that's all I need. I just need one person. And so maybe you'll sing, maybe you'll shout, maybe you'll do nothing, maybe you'll just work hard to change your attention, change your attention. But right now we're just gonna worship. We're going to set our attention and our affection on Jesus. Come on, let's do that. Just 30 seconds. Just, just worship God. Raise your hand if that was uncomfortable. Okay, got a few honest people. Now people are like, oh, okay, it's all right. I can raise my hand. That was, pastor, that was stupid, and I'm not coming back next week. Okay. The reason I wanted to do that exercise 
is because we don't always have a band following us around. We cannot afford that type of uh, entourage. And we don't need that type of entourage to worship. And you don't even need to sing. If you're going to be in the middle of Trader Joe's and, you know, coffee was more expensive, you'd be like, Lord, you are good anyway. That's awesome. And we're so glad that you're okay with that. But I know for me, I'd be like, a little weirded out. And when I get into a place, I'm like, okay, this circumstance is coming up, but I know that you're good. I don't understand this. My children are out of their minds, and I have never been in my mind, and this is a bad recipe. Help me, Jesus. God, you're so good. You're so faithful, and maybe you call, that's called talking yourself out of it. No, it's called reminding myself who God is and who I am in him. It's worship. That's worship. That's worship. But let's, we're going to engage one other form of worship, um, a song, a song that's really ministered to my soul. Um, and so uh, do we have the words for it? Okay, we have the words for it. So let's just, let's just worship to this song for just a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you may be seated. Well, that's weird, Christoph. Why would you have me sit back down? I'm going to, let's go take a fortress or something. So there was a day I was just reading my Bible, kind of praying, and, and I heard that song, and I had it on repeat, and it was messing with me. I was like, dry bones, come alive, dry bones, oh, dry bones, and them bones, them, different song. Um, <laughs> but my wife texted me in the middle of that, and she was like, hey, babe, Dustin, our good friend, he's got a birthday. He's turning 40, he's having this great party, he lives in Wisconsin. She's like, wouldn't it be cool if you could be there? I know that's impossible, but I, wouldn't that be neat? And I hear this, come alive, come alive. I'm like, now if you know anything about me, I hate to travel. It, it, that's why we live across the street. I have to get like a lot of nerve up to drive all the way to like Starbucks in McClaw Circle. That's like, okay, you gotta be all right, gotta be okay a lot of anxiety, a lot of things. And I'm sitting there and this song is just rushing my soul and my wife and this phrase is like, I know it's impossible. And I just, come alive, come alive, come alive, drive. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, maybe this can happen. Maybe, I'm, I'm, a fly, I'm flying, I'm, I'm flying to Racine. I'm gonna fly to Milwaukee. And uh, I don't know how to get a ticket. I'm gonna look up a ticket. Uh, I am not going to Racine. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I have a friend who's a pilot. I called him Matt, I'm like, Matt, if, you know, he's like, hey, I can get you on board. In fact, I have another space too. I'm like, hey, baby, we can go. She's like, I can't. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my son. Uh, Jude has anxieties too. We can both be anxious together on a plane for the very first time. And Jude was, I was like, hey, Jude, you came home. He's like, hey, do you want to go? He's like, yes, yes, I want to go. Yes. We got first class. My son got to sit in the cockpit, not during the flight. But we flew to Racine, Wisconsin. And I, we didn't tell our friends. I knocked on the door and they opened it. They're like, they're like, they just stared at me. You know why? Because Christoph doesn't do that. But Christoph, who speaks to dry bones, does that. This is not a story about me. This is a story about what worship does to you when you're like, okay, God, who are you? Who are you? And when we find out who God is, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is who I am, Christoph. And by the way, you are not who you think you are. Worship. Worship. And I wanted to do that. I could have, I mean, Danny's super gifted in worship. And I could have him sing, but it gets to be a little bit, you can, this is on, this is free. YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, just look it up. You can have this in your car, in your house. Uh, you can turn me off right now and listen to this. It is so easy. Worship is so easy. But what we're going to do this, this morning right now as we close, we're going to read our benediction. I want us to just sit in it for a minute. Danny's going to just sing.
Uh, but we're going to read our benediction together. Do we have that slide? Yes. All right, so let's read this together and just sit in in a moment. Ready, church? You ready, church? May we be revelated by and accept who we are as worshipers. May we all improve in our handling worship as this thing given to us, a tool to use. May our days and seasons be filled with worship in celebration and struggle alike. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavens. Praise Father, Son. God for all that he has done. Praise him for he has overcome. The grave is beaten up as Praise God stand with me this morning. Immediately following our gathering, uh, women, again, this is the last Sunday to register for Devoted Conference, uh, so please take care of that. Again, last Sunday. I know we say that, and then we've always kind of ebbed. This is the last Sunday. This ain't like a Hanes furniture sale that it's going to really go on for the next seven weeks. Last. Say last. Last Sunday to register for Devoted Conference. Also, immediately following our gathering, or a few minutes after, in the lounge, uh, there's going to be an informational meeting for partnership trips, uh, Haiti, Hungary, and Ukraine uh, this summer and beyond. So if you're interested in being a part of those partnership trips, it'll be about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes for you to hear about where we're going and, and what we're going on. You'd love to be a part of that, maybe ask some questions. So immediately following our gathering in the lounge, partnership information meeting with, with Pastor Holly and some others. Uh, so please, if you're interested in that, please uh, do that. But let's, let's read this together as we go out. You ready, church? You ready, church? May we be revelated by and accept who we are as worshipers. May we all improve in our handling worship as this thing given to us, a tool to use. May our days and seasons be filled with worship in celebration and struggle alike. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. We love you all so much. We'll see you next week.